You're listening to Narcotica, a podcast giving you the straight dope about drugs and the people who use them. Like all armed conflicts, the war on drugs involves a lot of psychological warfare. After all, the drug warriors aren't fighting a battle against flesh and blood. Their enemy is literally mind-altering chemicals they don't happen to like, so they gotta make shit up. It'll rot holes in your brain. It'll get you addicted with one taste. It'll make you a violent cop killer. Reagan's administration really ramped up the disinformation while touting just say no. And one of the most destructive and harmful and prolific lies was this one. Every five minutes, a baby is born in the United States exposed to crack. Do crack while you're pregnant, and your baby may be affected for life. I'm Troy Farah, reporting for Narcotica. Today I'm talking about crack babies, a stereotype that still exists today. What this refers to is prenatal cocaine exposure, or PCE. It's the idea that if you use cocaine or crack cocaine while pregnant, it will cause irreversible harm to your fetus leading to learning disabilities and behavioral problems. In the 80s and 90s, there was a bona fide panic about this so-called epidemic. The belief was cocaine molecules are so tiny that they can easily cross from the placenta into the fetal bloodstream. There, it can constrict blood vessels, alter brain chemistry, and modify the expression of certain genes. In the mid-80s, Researchers started sounding the alarm that these babies will come out so messed up, they'll never lead a normal life. Things really got going in 1985 when a researcher named Ira J. Chasnov published a paper in the New England Journal of Medicine called Cocaine and Pregnancy. It used a very small sample size, just 23 infants, but concluded that, quote, Infants exposed to cocaine or at risk for a higher rate of congenital malformations and perinatal mortality. And the media ran with it. Spotlight tonight, our investigative series on cocaine kids. Despite all the warnings, a growing number of babies are being born already addicted to cocaine. Douglas Basharov of the American Enterprise Institute called these kids the new, quote, bio-underclass. In 1989, the late Charles Krauthammer, may he rest in hell, echoed the bio-underclass slur. He also said in the Washington Post, quote, theirs will be a life of certain suffering, of probable deviance, of permanent inferiority. At best, a menial life of severe deprivation. The dead babies may be the lucky ones. The St. Louis Dispatch ran this headline, Disaster in Making, Crack Babies Start to Grow Up while Time Magazine in 1990 said maternity wards around the country ring with the high-pitched cat cries of crack babies. The San Diego Union-Tribune published a 1992 article that was somewhat balanced compared to the typical tripe. They interviewed a medical researcher who said, quote, these children are not prenatally doomed. They are not the little terrors that everyone says they are. But then they plastered the story with the headline, Drug Babies Invade Schools. Here's a handful of actual headlines from the New York Times alone. Cracks Toll Among Babies, A Joyless View Even of Toys, and Schools Trying to Cope with Crack Babies, and Cracks Tiniest Costliest Victims. 
and the cost of not preventing crack babies. By which, of course, they meant taxpayer costs, not like, you know, moral or human cost. For their part, the New York Times did go back and correct the record on crack babies as part of their retro report, but of course they didn't mention any of their own reporting that contributed to the problem. We could go on like this for hours. The problem is, it pretty much turned out to be bullshit. Here comes the disclaimer. Of course, using crack or cocaine or any street drugs during pregnancy is not really a good idea, and no doctor would recommend it. But effects of cocaine on a baby seem to be exaggerated. The limited research at the time didn't really look at confounding factors such as tobacco or alcohol use, environmental exposures, or even genetics. But did you ever hear politicians talking about alky babies or cigarette kids, even though we know booze and smoking can cause birth defects? No. But listen to Ross Perot in a 1992 debate. Anytime you think you want to legalize drugs, go to a neonatal unit, if you can get in. They're between 100 and 200% capacity up and down the East Coast. And the reason is crack babies being born. Babies in the hospital 42 days. Typical cost to you and me is $125,000. Again and again and again, the mother disappears in three days. And the child becomes a ward of the state because he's permanently and genetically damaged. Just look at those little children. And if anybody can even think about legalizing drugs, they've lost me. Still, follow-up research on these kids showed that fears of a bio-underclass were way overblown. There was no epidemic of violent, mentally disabled crack kids. It turns out, most of the children in these situations were actually born premature, a condition that gives many of the same symptoms, the tremors, the wailing. It's another stigma, another box to put me in, as one woman who was labeled a crack baby told Al Jazeera. Spoiler alert, she grew up to be pretty normal. A retro meta-analysis also found severe flaws in this original research on crack babies. You know, they forgot to include things like control groups or large enough sample sizes. Little things like that. Chasnov, who popularized the myth, eventually came around and said journalists took his research out of context. But the damage had been done. Today, the crack baby myth and the stigma associated with it still persists. Women who are pregnant and using drugs are thrown in jail all the time under the guise of child abuse. For example, there's Wisconsin's 1998 Unborn Child Protection Act, which claims to protect developing fetuses by allowing the state to detain pregnant women suspected of abusing drugs. Many other states have similar laws. In Ohio, Arizona, Washington, Maryland, plenty more. If you use drugs while pregnant, you get handcuffs. Now, you could argue that a woman who does drugs while pregnant should be punished. But how is being thrown in a cage going to suddenly create a healthy, welcoming atmosphere for that baby? If you're really concerned about health outcomes, a stressful, depressing, demoralizing environment like the criminal justice system is only going to make matters worse. And it goes without saying that the punishment for drinking or smoking tobacco while pregnant does not hold the same consequences. 
I mean, that's probably because these drug pregnancy laws are really meant to control women, not protect unborn anything. Many of these laws begin at conception. If you're a drug user that accidentally gets pregnant, suddenly you're a child abuser, and the state now has the right to take away your freedom. But we'll save that for another story. A recent study found in 24 rulings across 19 states between 1977 and 2015 included charges of child endangerment, child abuse, drug delivery, attempted aggravated child abuse, chemical endangerment of a child, child neglect, child mistreatment, homicide, manslaughter, and reckless injury to a child. The crack baby myth has been debunked again and again and again. This may or not be news to some of you, our wonderful audience of drug nerds, but it still needs debunking because people still believe it. You don't see it in the media much anymore, unless it's a debunking story like this one, but the idea is still prevalent among the general public and some policymakers. And there's a bigger problem. The crack baby myth has now morphed into the opioid addicted baby myth. As part of this report, I went to the National Perinatal Conference, which was held this year in Loma Linda, California. The NPA does a conference every year, mostly centered around bridging the gap between healthcare workers and pregnant mothers. But this conference was special. It focused specifically on perinatal substance use or using drugs while pregnant. A lot of the talks focus on opioids, such as heroin or fentanyl, because, well, we're in an opioid overdose crisis. And one thing that speakers kept addressing was another myth that babies are being born addicted to opioids. And guess who's leading the charge on that one? Not the mainstream media! One baby every half an hour in the United States is born addicted to drugs. Little babies born helplessly hooked on drugs like heroin and cocaine. Drug addiction, obviously, it's a devastating thing, but often what is forgotten, every 19 minutes a child in the U.S. is born with an opioid addiction they have inherited from their drug-addicted mothers. It only makes sense that when more people use meth, more babies are born addicted to meth. That last one from USA Today was about meth, but same ballpark. Now, it is true, if you use heroin or opioid painkillers enough during pregnancy, you can have a baby that has neonatal abstinence syndrome, or NAS. This is when infants exhibit withdrawal syndromes such as tremors or a distinctive cry. It's easily treatable and does not seem to have any long-term effects on the baby's mental or physical health, but we could always use more research in this arena. But a baby cannot be born addicted. That is, it doesn't even know what the hell heroin is. It's a baby. It can't crave something it doesn't understand. It can't be compelled to use drugs, and it can't keep using those drugs despite negative consequences like losing a job or being thrown in jail. I'm not splitting hairs here. This is an important distinction between dependence and addiction that many journalists and editors are too lazy to discern. But this myth creates stigma. It impacts the quality of medical care. The truth is, giving birth is dangerous and random, especially in America. Your child can die or have birth defects even if you use no drugs at all. Reuters, which usually has pretty balanced reporting, ran a headline that said, Helpless and Hooked. NBC published a headline that said, the number of opioid addicted babies is soaring. Newsweek said, mothers of babies born addicted to drugs could lose parental rights under a new Kentucky bill. Deja vu. It's crack babies all over again. I sat down with one of the National Perinatal Conference speakers, Dr. Carl Hart, 
professor of neuroscience and psychology at Columbia University, who has written extensively about the science of addiction and drug myths. I asked him why this cycle of fear-mongering persists. What it shows is that we have these cycles of vilified drugs, and we bring in the women who are pregnant to further vilify that drug. When the smoke clears, turns out it wasn't a crack baby. Turns out it wasn't an opioid addicted baby. You know, uh, but by that time, the damage has been done to those women and their children. I also spoke with Cherise Scott, CEO and founder of Sister Reach, a nonprofit in Tennessee that fights for reproductive freedom. She told me NAS is code for crack baby at this point, neonatal abstinence syndrome. Scott says the crack baby myth ignored reproductive and medical health conditions of black and brown women, and we're still seeing that today. It's the same thing then as it was now as it was then, you know, um, really trying to demonize the user of crack as opposed to demonizing how they even got access to the crack. Scott and Sister Reach have fought against Tennessee's fetal assault law, which was basically this. Uh, and the, one of the other things that were kind of happening as a result of the law is that women were having abortions, uh, women were crossing state lines into places like North Carolina that was one of the first copycat states that wanted to mandate a law just like, like Tennessee's. The fetal assault law eventually sunsetted in 2016, meaning the state sought not to renew it and is no longer enforced. But the idea became popular and has spread to other states, including Nebraska, Iowa, North Carolina, and Ohio. The crack baby myth may be over, or at least easily debunked with a quick Google search, but the stigma against drug users, especially pregnant drug users, continues. The epidemic of babies being born addicted to drugs is bullshit. Yet the media is once again playing no small part in facilitating these rumors. Instead of stigma and punishment, Scott argues we need compassion and addiction treatment for these mothers. And we've got to be able to step back from a space of blame and shame and, and allow folks the patience and the time and the supports to get there. I'm Troy Farah, reporting for Narcotica. Thank you for listening to episode six of Narcotica, part two of our series on stimulant use. You can follow us on Twitter at Narcocast or on Narcocast.com. That's N-A-R-C-O-C-A-S-T.com. If you like the program and you want to support us, there are two ways you can help. First, give us a decent rating on iTunes so others can find us. Second, you can sign up at Patreon.com slash Narcotica, where you'll get access to exclusive bonus content and help us pay our bills a little bit. A little goes a long way, so we really appreciate the awesome patrons that we have. If you want to send us a suggestion, tell us why you prefer modafinil to Adderall, or just want to say hi, you can email us at tips at narcocast.com. Narcotica is an independent production by Christopher Morath, Zachary Siegel, and myself, Troy Farah. Our co-producer for this episode was John Ahrens, and the opening credits music is by Glassboy. And that's a wrap, folks. Talk to you again next time.